we have a committed goalie for next year, and I will tell all of you listening that I have no fucking clue who it is. (laughs) Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode 12 of season three of the Chasing McNaughton podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. What to do? Our special guest this week is Shane Frederick, formerly with the Mankato Free Press and a graduate of the University of St. Thomas. That's right, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Shane. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This week we'll like chat. Our schedule worked out to have, you know, Shane Bridge at two weeks. Yeah. It's kind of nice, right? I think that worked out well since I couldn't be on last week. But yeah. I can, I can, yeah. I can hit both of those. This week we'll chat with Shane about the series with the Mavericks. Uh, St. Thomas's first season and preview the upcoming series in Houghton against the Tommies. After our chat with Shane, we'll talk about the Joe Sean hour, other things around the CCHA. Maybe we'll complain about the poll some more talk about the pairwise some more. We'll do our col- uh, fantasy college hockey challenge, which I'm pretty sure I got skunked this week. Uh, we'll probably also get into the, the fake GLI this year and maybe some three on three overtime talk, although that might come up. We talk about the Maverick series. Uh, all right, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsors and uh, be back and discuss the weekend against Minnesota State with our guest, Shane Frederick. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at fibkedental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back. Let's get right into things with Shane. I know you were a bit under the weather last week. And over the weekend, we're happy to hear you're at least doing well enough to join us tonight. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling better. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just uh, had a bout of the uh, little disease that's been going around for the last year and a half. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that explains why you didn't attend either game. Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of the end of the uh, end of it for me, but uh, I thought it was best to stay away from the big crowds for a couple nights. Unfortunately, it's always a bummer, even though I haven't been at the paper now for a year and a half plus, uh, every time there's a home game and I miss it, I feel a little weird. So it's, I get it. I do. 
It was nice to find. I think that's the first game I've been to since. Uh, I don't remember if I got it to anything last year because of timing and everything. So, yeah, that was kind of nice to to finally get to a game. You went to Wisconsin. Oh, early. Yeah, we went, I went to. I didn't get to go to a whole game in Wisconsin. Remember? Yeah, that's fair. But you were still there. <laughs> I was. I was. I got to watch a period of hockey in Madison. The boringest of the six, but I got to see one because I chose to go to the Brewer games instead. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to finally get to see a whole game, even if it was uh, a little frustrating the way that one, the Friday night one ended with no, uh, not getting that breakaway goal and then winning the faceoff, but chipping it to Minnesota State and never seeing the puck again in overtime. Yeah, that's less than ideal. Yeah, that was not fun. So what what were your impressions of the series this weekend, Shane? I know um, Minnesota State had been sick, but everybody was back and playing. Um, uh, so yeah, they, it, they it, it sounded good. like they were still easing their way back, but you're right. They had their full, uh, their full lineup uh, compared to the week before when they were at Lake State. And um, so kind of hard to have any, when you're number two in the country, have any excuses at all, whether you got all your players or not, I think so. Uh, the way they've been playing. I, you know, it was kind of the series I expected it to be. Um, maybe a little bit uh, lower shot totals than I expected in total. I guess, I, I mean, I know MSU has not given up hardly any shots all year. I, I just, but I thought maybe there'd be a little bit more uh, up and down action. And it, both teams were pretty, pretty tight defensively throughout from what I watched. And, um, not too surprising, I guess, but I, maybe I just expected a little bit more uh, offense from those two teams. Uh, but certainly the most competitive uh, weekends, I think, that the Mavericks have played, um, you know, for six full periods, this, um, at least uh, since conference play started. Yeah, it was I, – I thought it was really interesting that M- Michigan Tech – Friday night was a little bit more uneven where it felt like maybe there weren't the shots, but – Minnesota State controlled a lot more of the play and I think they ended up out shooting them a decent amount but not crazy like some other games like last weekend where they just kind of dominated Lake State but Michigan Tech kept it close and then Saturday for me was like uh, and I didn't get to watch as closely as I wanted because it's early and I was at dinner and stuff but seeing Michigan Tech win the shot total now, some of that's probably because Minnesota State got a little defensive in the third, but still, like, through the first two periods, it was within two shots, and it's, like, I'm shocked that the shot totals were as low as they were. I just did not expect both sides to do that. I would have said 10 more apiece each yeah. night. Yeah. And I know Minnesota State, I actually heard the radio uh, guy, Mike Sullivan, who's done a great job for, I think, 22 years now. Uh, I think he got a comment from coach Hastings that the number this year is 24 in terms of number of shots. They try to limit their opponents to, I, I think, I think only one team has gotten that many shots against them. And that might've been fair state. Uh, I think but, you're right. Cause it, it was 32 30, I think in your yeah. loss to Ferris. Uh, and, you know, and, and I think they've only given up uh, 20 shots plus tw- two other times. And one of those was Saturday. Um, so I it just to me it's it, it they've done such a good job and, and you said you know that they were trying to they were a little bit more defensive probably with a lead on 
on uh, on Saturday, but Tech had nine shots on goal in the third period. And I mean, they have that's one thing they do when they do get defensive like that. They don't even give up shots hardly at all. Um, the I just recall the yeah. the game where Dryden McKay broke the shutout record. Um, I mean, they didn't give up a sniff in the second period. I think there were two shots on goal, and I don't think either was very threatening. And just what they do when they lock teams down in the third period with a lead is has been really impressive. So, you know, Tex, you know, um, you know, the other the only other team I think that really threatened in the in the third period like that against them was Michigan uh, up at the icebreaker, and and Michigan ended up scoring twice and winning that game. Um, and you know, Tech gave it a little run in the third period Saturday, but couldn't couldn't break through. Yeah, and then Friday, as lopsided as things were, thirty to sixteen, uh, pretty even first period, and then Tech had a. I mean, they did okay in the second, but they also gave up fourteen shots, and that whole period felt like Tech was tired and struggling with the long change and. Uh, a decent amount of icings if I remember correctly where it just felt like they weren't quite in the game like I'm pretty sure Joe used his timeout in the second period yeah, in the second he? he did yeah, yeah. and uh and the there's play a lot that... more there's a lot more clearances off the high glass instead of actual breakouts from tech than we've seen I think all year long because they were pinned down in and needed to get out yeah compared to being able to actually break the puck out nicely and, and transition into the offensive you know, phase of play, they were, they were stuck and going high glass to get out at times. Yeah. yeah. And you end up icing the puck so many times when you do that. I mean, it, yep. it's it, and teams do that to Minnesota state, especially road teams. I think they try to take the crowd out of the game. And if they're going to, uh, you know, happens to Bemidji a lot or Bemidji does it a lot. They, they go into that mode and they decide they're just going to, hey, we'll ice the puck all game long, especially if they get a lead and, you know, it takes the crowd out of the game, makes it frustrating for, Minnesota State, who likes to possess pucks, and um, you know it's it's effective if you're in a close game or or have a lead. And but if you get behind, and now you're playing that style, now you got to snap back and go back to how you normally play. I think that's difficult for teams to do, especially when they're on the road. Yeah, the the, the weirdest part for me is Friday night was totally a game tech not not just because of the the breakaway at the end could have stolen, but like one bad decision 16 seconds into the second period is the only goal that really mattered or the only goal that Mankato got in regulation and if they don't have that brain fart right away to start the second period I mean I'm sure Minnesota State's pressing to get that goal but for everything they did I like Pietola was on his game at least Friday yep that they could have easily stolen that game one nothing and that breakaway at the end wouldn't have mattered um but but it is still frustrating to to like i think dustin you said it in our slack chat didn't you where it was like you you got to finish that and get the three points when you get that chance and yeah. and i and i know joe talked about it a little bit on the show today that that uh dryden maybe not knowing hallinan as well as like a tech goalie would because Hallinan doesn't deke very much. He usually just shoots, and he actually deked and then almost got it over his pad anyway, but uh, like not really knowing what he typically does probably cost the tech because he played, <laughs> you know, 
because he uh, <laughs> he he didn't uh, stick with the shot and and went for the deke and uh, and it didn't work out and it and it was closer than I thought. Like when I first saw it happen as a in the crowd, like I didn't think he got enough on it. And then you watch the replay, and he did. It's just he's about an inch too low, I think, and it hits the top of the pad almost. And the shorthanded goal, right, was just was was just a shot, right, from the circle. It was not a, it didn't come in, you know, close yeah. to a deke or anything like that. Kind nope. of maybe that bottom. No deke, no traffic, just top corner shot. Yeah, yeah not, uh, you know, not exactly one uh, Dryden McKay wants to give up there, and and then so, yeah, more you know, degree of difficulty is in considering the timing of the game and everything at at the end is. Uh, so, certainly a different situation and he came through on that one McKay well, did it especially for a guy who had only seen one other shot that whole period apparently yeah I mean and that's uh, you know that 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 can be tough I mean I know you know the debates already started right with Dryden McKay as far as like you know uh shots faced and you know is he even a Richter candidate. I think there was a college hockey news article last week and, you know, everybody has to preface everything by saying, you know, this is not a knock against Ryan McKay or Minnesota state. So, you know, put your emails and tweets away, but uh, those kind of people are the worst. <laughs> Matt, like Matt, Matt sitting here quietly. <laughs> is, is Dryden McKay a system goalie? Is that what you're going to say, Matt? <laughs> I, you know, I think he more than shut me up. Well, I'll get to that. I'll get to that portion of how I feel in a second. But my my we, biggest we've had we've had the discussion. Yeah, we've Matt, had Matt is yeah. right there with the shit. I am abs- I'm absolutely right there. But I, you know, I, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to circle back to that. Don't worry. I'll 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 put on. I'll I'll put the dunce hat on myself. But my my big weekend takeaway was that uh, Minnesota State's exactly who. I think everyone on this podcast thinks they are. They are. They absolutely deserve all of the national recognition they're giving. They deserve the respect that they're they've garnered. They're an incredibly tough team to play against. They've got great offensive guns. They're stout defensively, and I, I still think they deserve to be very much in that national conversation. But the other takeaway for me was that's like one of the best I've felt in a tech sweep that I think I can remember because for me, one of the major takeaways was that even though it sucks to lose and the way we lost was not great. I don't like losing on three and three overtime, especially the way that we did. But the big takeaway for me is that tech was right with them the whole game. So if they could like both nights, they're right with them. So if I were you, I'd probably feel exactly the same way. I mean, I think there have been other times when these two teams have played each other when they're both top 10 teams. I recall going back to, I don't remember if it was Hastings first year, second year, uh, as a November series at Tech. Tech was number one and started the season 10 and 0. And Minnesota State went up there and swept them and kind of swept them bad. And um, I, I just, you know, that makes a team stop and think a little bit about, okay, maybe we're not as good as we think we are where I, I think you're right. This weekend is, you know, bounce here, bounce there. You hate, you know, we, we all love that cliche that every coach and every player says, right. Bounce here, bounce there. But that's what that series was this weekend. Right. I mean, for tech, for Minnesota state, uh, mm-hmm. you know, bounce here, bounce there, tech splits, who knows what happened Saturday. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, that's going to be another great series when it goes back to Houghton and what I think in February. And, um, 
and I got to finish out the regular season. Yeah, and that's the other side of the corn. Is that the the other oh. side of the coin, not the corn? Geez, what am I saying? But the corn is anyway. a circle. It's a cob. Where's <laughs> it's side? a cil- it's a cylinder, I guess, kind of. If you're really approximating, but you want anyway. the stock end or the 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 floss end? Regardless, but the other side of that coin is that uh, that was Tech walking into Mankato and playing like that. Yep. So, yeah. As as much as you don't like to think that where you're playing matters, especially at this level, it, it does. And that can be a really tough building to play in. And the fact that they were able to take it to Minnesota State and skate right with them while they're in Mankato, even though Tech has had some recent struggles at home, that kind of makes me feel good about what might happen because it's an equally, if not more tough, building to play in for another team. Yeah, and if I'm MSU, I probably look at that series and say I'm going to need a little bit more offense, offensive depth. I mean, they're one of the top scoring teams in the country, but you know, I think the uh, the Smith Napravnik Borchert line when healthy because they've they've missed Napravnik a couple of times this season. Um, that line, that line is hard to stop. That line was really good this weekend again, as you as they've been. I mean, Smith had four points, factored in all three goals on Saturday, and. Um, Pravnik could have easily had more had Pietola not stonewalled him absolutely. several times that were ridiculous saves made by him. No, Pravnik looked ridiculously good. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you look at that and you say, okay, that's, that maybe that's the difference in the game is that line. So if you're MSU, they're number one in this country again tonight, which just kind of goes to show that the top college hockey is a little bit, you know, draw out a hat or maybe you don't want to be number one going into a weekend. Yeah, so who do you guys um, have next week? Who's your sweep? They're, <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> off Mitchie. the week, so. <laughs> oh Yeah. Yeah, the fact that uh, the Bulldogs went into Northern and lost twice uh, with the number one. Like decidedly, league. yeah. Yeah, and well, it was well, like a close let, game. Let's talk about well, yeah. that more if you want, because obviously we, like – Minnesota or Minnesota Duluth was not anywhere close to a hundred percent. Like, I mean, they're yes. playing. Oh yeah, they're playing goalie. their third string goalie who had never well, played is, before as a. This senior. is absolutely. You're you're absolutely correct that they were dealing with a a down lineup and they've got one of their goalies that's always testicular cancer. Our hearts are going out to him, but that's a pretty logical reason why he wouldn't be playing. Um, they had another guy that was out with what was it COVID? I'm pretty sure. I think that's what I read. I think that's but, what so, reported, but. Yeah, at that point, you are stuck with a third-string goalie. But this kind of goes back to what Shane said. If you're a number one overall team going into a very middle-of-the-pack kind of series, because I think we can all agree that Northern is is better than they've been in previous years, but I'd still put them at about upper middle of the pack of college hockey. But they're 18th in the poll, man. No, okay. We all. I don't know who. I don't know what the poll's smoking, but you know. Well, they had a pretty good. They had a pretty good November. I mean, you know, yeah, when I yeah. watched them play, you know, they got. I mean, MSU won the first game. I think it was four two, but that was not a four two game. I mean, that could have been seven to two easily, and then the next night was seven nothing, and um, you know, that was when Brian McKay broke the record, and Northern left town. I was like, oh boy, that team's in trouble. Um, they they've turned it around a little bit since then, and yeah, um, they're not going to care. They play the third string goalie. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna be riding high a little bit right now. I would think. 
Yeah, I, I mean, think the uh, thing it goes to show too is that the polls are definitely not folks that are watching games either. Yes, absolutely. I mean, but to, to yeah. circle back to my original point is that if you're the number one team in the country and you have to put your guns up there and prove it, you should be able to place your number three goalie out there without much an issue. But I think I, it I all know. depends on how you value that because he's not – it's not like it's the NHL where your third string goalie is still like yeah, I, and I somebody you expect that. to be good. Like some teams, like sometimes you get not a third a string goalie that has a lot of value and yeah. uh, as a walk on. And other times you get a guy who's a body and the other two goalies are supposed to play every minute. And this and... is an argument that I would absolutely listen to and entertain if we're talking about a team that just lost when they're sitting somewhere like 10 and below. But at the number one spot, I, yeah, I, but you're I, I but you're not I, talking about. It's yeah, yeah that's tough though. I mean, I would agree with him because um, I I look at like Minnesota State this year. Their their two backup goaltenders are both freshmen, but they're both re- recruited guys. Uh, the uh, Keenan Rancier, who started last week uh, on Friday night at Tech. Um, actually, I don't know much about him, but uh, the other freshman was the one that they brought in. Uh, are actually committed after with he committed after Jackson Stauber left for pro, uh, back to go back to junior when he realized he wasn't going to beat, beat out Dryden McKay. And then for two years or for a year and a half after that, they had uh, a, a kid on campus who, who was a high school goalie at white bear Lake, didn't play junior hockey. Um, and he came finished out the season um, in at MSU. They all gave him a big pat on the back for a good job. Thanks for being our third string goalie. And then um, in the, in the off season, um, Jacob Berger left, transferred to St. Thomas. Uh, and even though they brought in um, another transfer to be the backup, they still needed a third stringer and brought in the, the, the high school, <laughs> I keep calling him a high school kid. I mean, by then he's a college so- sophomore, but, a, but a normal age, 19 year old co- college sophomore. Um, if they had to go to a situation where they had to go on the road to Northern Michigan and they've been number one in the country and had to start him in goal, I think they would have been in trouble. Um, and I, I think that's probably not knowing Duluth's situation, whether or not he was a, uh, recruited, um, third string goalie or, well, he's a fifth year senior who played his junior hockey two out of three years for Notre Dame and the, in Saskatchewan. So it's not like it's a, uh, heavily recruited league, especially for when he came. Right. Uh, so he's 25. So he was 20 when he came in. Um, yeah. So it's, he, it sounds like he's a walk on and not really a, like, I'm sure they didn't really think they'd be in this spot where he'd need to play. Um, and it happens sometimes, but yeah. Uh, and maybe you know, you gotta, I mean, maybe yeah. that's a, a situation where you have to be better about, how you game plan and protect your goaltender in that situation. Too. And I, I think that's exactly right because I am, I'm not going to act like putting your third string goaltender and especially at the college level should just be like, just slot them in and it'll be like any other week. I don't want to act like that, but goaltending is one piece of a very complex puzzle. That is a college hockey game. And I know that I'm using a professional example, but if you think of like the David Ayers game in the NHL, like when 
the Hurricanes realized they were going to be playing with a less than ideal goaltending situation. Everybody else realized they had to step it up. So I think that it has to go into game planning for the offense and defense that they're going to have to give their goalie some extra help at both ends of the ice. And I think that's something the number one team should be able to mix around and accommodate, especially against the Northern team. Yeah. Well, the uh, Minnesota State uh, currently doesn't have to worry too much about that with uh, Dryden McCabe, you know, back healthy. They only missed him one game and they ended up losing that game one nothing. So, yeah, that was an interesting scenario. It was really odd to hear about him, number one, missing a game, number two, that Minnesota State allowed so few shots, and number three, that of the few shots they allowed, one went in and that was the only one of the game. So, like, really breaking down that game, it was just an unfortunate circumstance for as good a team they are to end up losing that one. But it was man, just an odd set of circumstances that happened there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, th- I think one other thing you have to think about, Matt, too, is Northern style and being on the big sheet all play into the opportunities. And I do think... Like, if you go look at the box scores, I think one of the other things to look at is I think, well, if you go look at Siski's Twitter feed, it sounds like Duluth got hosed by the refs all weekend. What? Yeah. Really? No. It was fine. But uh, no, I I, I watched watched quite a bit of it. And I don't think the refs Twitter feed did that. Yeah. (laughs) Are you shocked as I am? Yeah. Um, But if you go look at like the box score, it, it almost felt like Minnesota Duluth played too hard and made a lot of stupid mistakes that resulted in power plays for Northern and gave them some opportunities to, to widen the score. And like the, I missed the fifth goal cause my feed was all messed up on my phone at, at the game in Mankato. I was trying to watch and point and laugh at Biddy, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting though. I, Looking at, you know, I remember, you know, talking to Mike Hastings prior to the Northern series and even um, for the Maverick Hockey Live podcast that I do or take a player every week or a coach. And uh, we're talking, I can't remember what was going into that series or coming out of that series talking. One thing Northern does really well. I mean, their, their forwards, they can score and they, they, they transition really well. Their defensemen um, are a little slow. I mean, they, MSU kind of skated circles around them, but you know, a turnover or something going the other way, odd man rush. I mean, tech can move our tech, sorry. Northern can move. My apologies. <laughs> um, and cut. <laughs> we're going to edit out the part right? where you corrected that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and I think that's just what, what, um, you know, they play that way. And, and if, Minnesota Duluth got themselves in trouble a little bit. Um, you know, the, I also think the big ice makes a big difference too. If teams aren't used to that and don't see that very often, which I'm trying to think of any of the H- NCHC teams have big ice. Now the Colorado St. college Cloud, St. Cloud state does. St. Cloud still does. Okay. I couldn't remember if anybody did, but that's, it's a yeah, big cause, difference. Cause there's most so of them were in the, the new WCHA, I think was. Yeah. There's so much more space to do anything on the offensive side, power plays are much, much different. You have so much more space to work with in the zone to move the puck. And you see Northern taking advantage of that when they're on the power play. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if UMD has a 
place to practice that during the week either. I mean, MSU does here. They go to their old stomping grounds up at All Seasons Arena, um, you know, which they used to back when they were Olympic sized downtown. Um, that's where they practiced every day. And, um, but, you know, they do take advantage of the fact that there are some different size ice sheets in town when they need to practice. Uh, when they go to, when they go to Ferris, they go up to ASA and they play on the little rink <laughs> and they say it's still bigger than what they got to play in at Ferris. So no, I believe that. Like, uh, I remember before St. Thomas came in, like joking about how many high school rinks around town here are nicer, including St. Thomas's current rink, which I've been to a couple times. Uh, like it's, it's, it's funny how, how small that, that and how low the ceiling is and all that kind of stuff it, well rob can say it correctly since he understands the german nature of it just call it the wiggly bin and call it a day the wiggly the wiggly boom the mini barn the gumby barn yeah it's 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 always interesting to watch teams go in there and play northern because you do see that difference i think and it did. It did feel like they just gave them way too much space on the power play. They were so collapsed down that uh, Northern was able to move the puck around really well. And that might be and, that might be a result of having you know the third string goalie in there too. Like so now they're on a big sheet. They're packing in a little tighter around their goalie to try to protect him a little more. But Northern can move now because they have so much ice. I mean, it might have been just a bad, bad combination. Yep. And it worked out for the CCHA as a whole. Uh-huh. Yeah, I will I will take it because in a week where Tech didn't do too much to help us out in our own accord, there was Northern to help pick us up in the pairwise. <laughs> and Clarkson. Yeah. So we better get to talking about the Tommy since we've already had you for a half hour and I don't need four <laughs> hours fine. of editing tomorrow. So so <laughs> as an alum, what how 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 do you think the first season is going? Well, by their record, not very well, but probably yeah. about as, as expected, I would say. Um, Do you know how many scholarships they're operating with this year? I don't know um, how, how they've factored that out so far. Because I was honestly surprised that they didn't do more in the portal. Actually, I was too. Like, I thought they would kind of be able to pick their own team, pick four to five guys in each class and just kind of come right in and be semi-competitive versus what they are so the only it feels like it feels like i thought they could be las vegas and instead they're seattle or worse yeah i I thought maybe you know was it the timing of when they hired rico had too many players already made their decisions as far as like those in the portal and where they were going and what was left or that those who were still deciding thought i'd rather go somewhere where we're going to be a little bit more competitive than go try to help out uh, a, a new school. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's a really good question. Uh, Cause I thought they would do the same thing. I thought they had kind of some great advantages um, that way, but yeah, it, it hasn't really worked out. They have a, a lot, you know, a big chunk of their team, I think is the same as last year, you know, our, um, the D3 team. And I mean, I think even their D3 team had a couple of division one transfers, um, including Jacob Berger, the goalie who played at Minnesota state, but um, he's not even their starting goalie, but I don't know. That's a good question. 
Yeah, I mean, it because because the way things have basically played out, you you know, uh, Minnesota State, Michigan Tech, Bemidji State, basically any team that in our, in the CCHA that that has aspirations of being top sixteen in the pairwise and finding a way to make the tournament can't lose one of their two to four games against St. Thomas. You just can't. Same thing with Ferris State at this point. Um, but, well, I guess you guys survived losing one of those. But um, it's just, uh, like, I know it's fine because I think for the most part, the teams that are at near the top have done what they're supposed to do. Um, and for whatever reason, the CCHA has remained good in the pairwise this year, probably because, you know, like Northern's done well, non-conference Michigan tech's done pretty well. Um, obviously the holiday tournaments will play a lot into how things shake out in the end. But um, the one good thing that I see from the tech perspective is so far this year, the teams they're supposed to do well against, they've done well against except for one period. Now, looking back, Wisconsin isn't that good. And they basically dominated that whole weekend and kind of uh, skated through the one period I got to watch in person. And then against Fair State, they played really good five out of six periods. And it just so happened the bad period was the first period Friday when they probably thought they could kind of walk through the weekend and get a sweep. And Ferris showed them very quickly that that wasn't going to happen and they needed to show up and they did the rest of the weekend. So hopefully Michigan Tech plays like they did the other five periods against Ferris and shows St. Thomas that uh, the CCHA isn't as easy as whatever conference they ended up in for D1 football. Boy, oh. But uh, before we get too far from the original point about how St. Thomas kind of ended up the way that they are, um, how much do you think the five-year probationary period for the Tommies to get into the NCAA tournament factored into some decisions for some kids going into the portal. Like I know we talked about how uh, just the timing of announcing Rico's hiring and just kind of the rollout of the program might've had something to do with that, but how much of it, how much of it do you think that might've played into it? I don't know. I mean, that's look, I think any player who's recruited by St. Thomas for the net for the first three, four years has to, understand that like the i the opportunity to get to the ncaa tournament is probably slim no matter what um so what they're gonna have to rely on is school's reputation which in minnesota is very good or in the in the upper midwest is, is very good um so you know recruiting more minnesota kind of guys you know but they you know they didn't I know this has been a knock a little bit. I don't know if it's fair or not, but you know, Rico's the only Minnesota coach, not from Minnesota. And not that that matters. I know, um, especially I suppose uh, tech fans will probably say Minnesota folks are way too hung up on that kind of stuff, but. No, I think, well, I guess, but I also think that, here kind of agreed with you. So. And I'm not an anti Rico guy at all. I, I really, I mean, I probably said this to you guys. We talked to St. Thomas another time. I mean, I think they should have hired Todd Cannot. I think it was a no-brainer. I think they should have, you know, uh, you know, the winningest team in college hockey in the last eight nine years since Mike Hastings was hired. And you, why why wouldn't you? You're going into that conference. Why wouldn't you hire that 
you know, the top assistant from that team who's their recruiting coordinator. I, you know, that makes a bit of sense. But Rico Blasi was a bigger splash of a name, but not really because it's college hockey. I mean, I love college hockey, but I always have to like sometimes preface and say, you know, remember it's college hockey. Not everybody knows who that is. You know, St. Thomas is going to keep their coach, they're going to keep their basketball coach, and their big splash is going to be. And he almost won. What year was that? When were we at the Frozen Four that they lost to BU? Oh nine. Oh nine. So the kids he's recruiting, they were five. Like they even know that. You know, like basically after after um, the whoever's there now that was at Bowling Green after he left, they kind of fell off with the change in conferences and all that stuff so it's not like like he's a name but also it's not like he has done a whole lot lately and that's why he was available yeah right and again i you know we'll see i can't it, it's hard to judge him right now on that but you know that's yeah I, you know again i'm probably a little biased because i you know was around todd every day and and just kind of saw the work he put in and the the feelings that Mike Hastings and other coaches have about Todd. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. And we'll see if St. What's how St. Thomas, you know, you know, they could announce any time in the next year that they are going to build a rink, whether it's on campus or somewhere in St. Paul, and it's going to be super first class, great facility. And suddenly that puts them in a driver's seat, no matter who the coach is probably. So they're, they're going to be okay over the long run. So long answer to your question. Um, <laughs> about the NCAA tournament, I, I think in, in a few years that won't matter because they're going to start recruiting kids who they're going to start thinking that by the time they're a junior or senior that now they will have a chance and they're going to be able to do it in a super cool hockey rink somewhere in St. Paul. And that's my feeling anyway is what's going to happen. And um, as a journalism major in 19, who graduated in 1994, um, you know, it's, it's not my money that's going to pay for the rink. <laughs> um that's fair and that's kind of the the feeling that we've had here as well as once they get their rink and have their feet under them then they're gonna be a problem in this conference and i i hope it ends up being the case because that ends up making for a very healthy footprint for the conference for and that's good for everybody but with that being said i'm going to take every pot shot that i can at them now because (laughs) because i know in like five to ten years i'm going to be happy that i did because i have a feeling that they probably will build up about that quickly yeah yeah and i've just heard enough people i mean mike hastings has said it you know they just look at that they say you know school location you know what they'll put into it over the long term even if they're not able to right away financially they're going to run it. They're going to do it first class. Um, and I think they're, I mean, I think their women's hockey team is going to be able to do really well as well. And they hired, they, now that's the, that was the right splash for a coach. And then you have, you know, their men's and women's basketball teams are going to do the same thing. I mean, they're the, those, those four sports are going to put them on the map. So they're, they're heading up to Houghton this weekend what do we think's gonna happen? What do you think's gonna happen, Tim? Don't even tell me that. If <laughs> you want they, me to start, if Tech doesn't put up at least five goals both nights, I'll consider that an embarrassment. Yeah, and allows more than two, I will be 
frustrating. If the scores are anything other than 5-2, like if St. Thomas has any more, Tech has any less, embarrassment in my book. Yeah. I'm just hoping that that Minnesota or that Michigan Tech learned their lesson on showing up at the beginning and then taking their uh like taking their foot off the gas at the end, not at the beginning. <laughs> and this is what I mean about getting my pot shots in on St. Thomas while I can, because I think their expansion is great for the conference. But but we all right, understand right now, that with them having to them moving up the way they did and not being able to be in the playoffs their build is going to be yeah those of us with expectations this season have to make sure that that's a guaranteed sweep all right yeah anything else we want to talk about with shane no no nothing well we don't need you for trivia this week or for fantasy college hockey this week because everybody else is actually here so let's let's do this quick all right three on three overtime sure what do you think i I think Joe has the perfect opinion about three-on-three overtime, and it's the happiest I've ever heard when listening to his show today. Yeah. I was is, like, Joe it is, is, the, Joe it is, is the dumbest, g- gimmickiest Joe thing ever. to my heart when he's just like, we don't Oh, my finish. God. You guys are so old. Three-on-three OT is the coolest thing <laughs> to ever happen to hockey, far and away. I'm not going to be the old <laughs> guy the on hell? this one because I agree with Matt. I, I love three-on-three overtime. Oh my I god! I love his whole point of we don't decide playoff games this way because they're too important. Well, you, well, you decide regular game. season games that way. You can't win the CCHA without doing that. We can't keep looking inept in three on three overtime. You can make oh, that I'm not, point. All I'm points, not. But... I'm not saying that we shouldn't be better at it. I'm saying that it's shit, <laughs> but we still need to be better at it because it's there. <laughs> okay, yeah. but look at it this way: three on three overtime cuts way down on the shootout, which is everybody's worst enemy here. It's true. I would rather have five minutes of five on five. And, and that is never going to happen winner. again. That is a relic of the past. So we are gone from that old man. Yeah, and I think there is nothing there is nothing wrong with a tie, man. We are that is a relic of the there past. Is. I agree with you, but it's never gonna happen again. <laughs> In a game where things have to be decided, win loss. Matt, settle down. You're gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> Listen, settle if I was down. Gonna have a heart attack, I'd have done it by now. So the thing, so what I what what why I find is interesting, I've you know, talking to the MSU coach coaches who have always been three on three advocates it's that every other level of hockey except for high school hockey has three on three overtime all the so all these guys yeah all these guys play junior hockey they all want to play pro hockey it's three on three is going to be part of it um no i i get it completely from a development which is really what college hockey is right? same thing a, with the shootout. Path, but you I do those think... things because that's what happens at the next level right so like, these guys want to play there yeah i get it but also i think there's just the attitude of like well why don't you just go back to the old you know nhl pre whatever 1980 just okay 60 minutes no overtime just and why don't we bring back smoking cigarettes in the locker room okay <laughs> time, time moves forward so, get, we this is the time we live in and well, I, I like you stupid three. you silly millennials and your inability to accept that sometimes games can end in a tie and that's okay I, i'm perfectly fine with a game ending in a tie, but there should have been an interference call on the msu goal no and joe even so admitted that. that he was wrong about okay, good because i I, the show no, today. I hadn't i i do think there were several other occurrences in the game where i do wish that those were called but on that, to me, it looked just more like a blown switch on the coverage. So I think it was a drop pass. The guy was still in his spot. He wasn't like purposely skating into somebody. It wasn't a moving pick. See, he yeah, was just he, there yeah, he, and, and we avoided him the wrong way. I mean, way. he's there to 
he is there to cause he's possessing the puck and dropping it. He's dropped, but he he possessed the puck and was in the space with the puck. Yeah. You yeah. can't say that's a pick play in that case. He dropped it to the other guy coming around him. Yep. He had the puck. Yeah. Whereas it's, it's oh, the Michigan Tech player other, chose to go around him the wrong way or they didn't switch properly. There were several other yeah. occasions where like if the puck if there's a guy uh, I don't know what I think it was on Saturday. Someone's coming in to go around the net, and a guy, the four checkers chasing him, and the other defensive pair runs into the guy without having the puck or no possession change. That's a pick and interference to me. Whereas what happened in overtime, it was a drop pass, yeah. and he was in the space already. You you can't blame that. That's that's not a pick in that case. When when you don't have the puck and you're interfering with somebody that's chasing the puck, that's a completely different scenario. To possessing the puck and dropping it to a teammate. There was a play similar to that uh, against Bemidji State last year. Um, I think it was the game that Minnesota State clinched the McNaughton, and I think Tom Saratori walked all the way across the ice. <laughs> it was screaming. <laughs> that video was off the wall, and I loved it. Did you see Joe <laughs> after the game, Shane? You know, I just saw I saw some tweets, so I don't know. I didn't. So he was he – was... I, I'll I'll find that photo. Somebody took a photo of it, but he was basically yeah, he definitely went across to talk to the ref. He was he was talking to the one or basically the two linesmen and the ref that were on like that side of the ice for every all the players coming out were he was basically almost to the handshake line trying to get the attention of the other ref who was avoiding him, <laughs> and that ref was standing down in the far faceoff circle, and all Joe was doing was yelling at him and going like this the whole time. <laughs> for like a good minute and i was like joe's irate about interference and i'm like i don't know what he's talking about and then i watched the replay and i'm like okay i get what he's talking about i don't think it's illegal like i don't think it should have been a penalty but I'll bet from where I, he I was thought, on the bench that probably looked like it was a pick yeah no i agree and, and he, he probably knows he that said after review that like no it, it wasn't a pick i thought it was but it wasn't and then um but to me the part that i didn't understand and Joe touched on this on the show too, was uh, Tech wins the faceoff in overtime, but Goats yeah, panics and chips the puck yeah. down instead of trying to turn around and pass it to one of his teammates. And we never touch the puck again. And it's totally, Goats gets trapped in his five-on-five five mentality. And it's almost like we're playing two different sports when we change the game that much. It, it is. <laughs> well, and I do think some of it, I do think some of the problems for Michigan Tech in overtime are the fact that we are such a defensive-oriented team that yeah, our standard, sure. like, our ingrained rules do not transition to three-on-three three like a more offensive-minded team's mentality would transition to three-on-three. Three. So they can't, they can't just flip a switch and suddenly be playing three-on-three three and change their habits completely, and that's, that's what happened with Goats. It feels like that's a perfectly reasonable play five-on-five but it doesn't work three on three because they never saw the puck again. And that's the way overtime is now. You like, I joke that I wanted to, you know, like email a question to Joe, the Joe show of being like, have you guys watched NHL film on three on three and how important possession is? Cause it doesn't feel like it. And it's, I think that's enough. Thanks for joining us, Shane. Hey, it's been a <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling good enough to join us. It was a nice chat. Glad you're feeling better. We'll have to we'll have to chat later on this year, either when uh, Minnesota State comes back or when we go down to uh, St. Thomas. It was yeah, really well, cool to be able to do recap and preview with one person that was knowledgeable on both. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's 
I appreciate you saying that. Especially the- no, like, yeah, that was really cool. One guest that like covered both bases. I appreciated having you a lot. It's, it's nice that it works out that way, right? Well, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Anything you want to plug in your your agricultural world? Maybe you can get Dustin to uh, do something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> You've been plugging away at uh, the Specialty Soya and Grains Alliance. So, you know, check out soyagrainsalliance.org. You might see <laughs> that. Nice. Well, I don't yeah. know what Dustin. I don't know what Dustin actually plants. <laughs> I would assume it's got to be covered in there somewhere, right, Dustin? Corn and soybeans. There you go. Any specialty stuff? Any IP? No. I work with the IP grow IP people, so. No. Nope. All right. All right. We'll get you. We'll, we'll, we'll get, <laughs> get that premium. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us, Shane. Talk to you <laughs> later. Shane. Bye. Uh, all right. I want to take a moment to talk about, uh, to touch on one thing. We fund everything at tech hockey guide from our patrons. You can become one at patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Uh, we do our random zoom chats with a special guest. These, uh, chats are available at the white level, which is just $2 a month. If you have anyone you'd like to suggest for one of these chats, please let us know. I think we're going to reach out to cam Ellsworth. I got to get that scheduled here in a little bit. Uh, since the podcast started, we've done extended versions of the podcast for patrons on at the black level or above, which is $5 a month. At the gold level, for $10 a month, you get access to everything we've mentioned and a Zoom video of our podcast before the rest is out. Um, I've got to get a hold of Exclusive Pro to get myself more patches so you guys can get your free patches at the black level above. I know I owe a few people those, but we'll we'll figure that out, guys um this year we're trying something new if you give us a five-star rating on apple podcast dustin will read the review you leave no matter what it says so let's get some ratings and see what you guys have to say obviously the i think the most interesting one we got so far was from biddy so um yeah So we touched on this a little bit, but let's get into more details on the Joe Sean hour. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to talk about that came up on the show today? I mean, we talked about Joe's feeling, but we've kind of covered that a bit. His feelings on OT are spot on accuracy. I I want to disagree with you severely on your OT feelings because (laughs) I believe his quote on the show was something to the degree of three on three isn't what wins championships. And I made this point a bit earlier and there's an extent to which he's correct. When you make it to the NCAAs, there is no such thing as three on three. It's five on five to the death. And in a perfect world, that's always how it would be. Well, but as it sits, but Matt from, from a pairwise perspective, winning three on three is not going to win you a championship. It's worth 5% of the game. Like it's, it's not really relevant in a pairwise world it's relevant to our standings in the ccha which have certainly been hurt by the few overtime losses we've had and got one point instead of two but if that if you'd let me finish the point here my point is that three on three is gonna help win you the ccha and the way uh, things are shaping up that's the way we're gonna have to do it so the regular season title doesn't get you a spot in the playoffs matt you still have we're 12 in the pairwise and you don't need to worry about the ccha and if and winning the regular season title, which is the only one that involves three on three, doesn't get you an auto bid. Winning the tournament does, which is five on five overtime if it goes to overtime. 
Yes, it plays into seeding. That's exactly but we've already correct. seen Michigan Tech make the championship game or win it when we were not number one. And we've also seen them get dusted on the road when they aren't number one. It makes a difference. Like, yes, they can road warrior it, but that's objectively the hard way. So why not make it easier on ourselves? Find a way to stop looking inept and three-on-three OT, not chip it away to the number one team in the nation when we're going to the three-on-three OT, and find a way to pot it. Like, I get that there's a there's a general dislike of three-on-three OT in this podcast, but we got to find a way to do it. We can't but, just discount yeah, it like it's but a if, nothing. But if Michigan Tech sweeps St. Thomas this weekend and Minnesota State finds a way to sweep Bemidji State, which is a tall order, Michigan Tech is tied for second with Bemidji State going into the break. I mean, either way, I'm happy with it, and we should absolutely look at sweeping that series. I mean, I know we're in a good like, spot. Like I what just... I've said, what I've said from the beginning, it, like I've said, getting to overtime is far more important than winning it because you got the point for getting there. Michigan Tech has done a good job of finding ways to get that extra attacker goal. I know that was one of your complaints that we didn't pull the goalie earlier on Saturday, right? That was pretty much my only complaint on the weekend, in all honesty. I agree with you on that one, Matt. I think that when we had the face-off in, in Mankato's end with, like, what was it, 3-17, 3-15 left in the game, Piedelo should have been gone. I thought that should have been – we should have been putting putting it all on black right there. And I think if you look at the I analytics, wonder, I think you're right. Like, I think I the statistics would prove out that that was that it would be the move to make, would be to pull him at that point. It's about time someone here agreed with me today. No, Jeez, I, well, he, I will completely right, agree with you. right in this one. Okay. <laughs> we don't we're never going to blindly agree goal. with the youngin. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, I mean I mean well, yeah, but that's that's why I'm here. It makes it fun. It's not just three people agreeing okay. all the time. I gotta oh, mix it up. I wonder how much of that though plays into the fact that our face offs were absolutely atrocious against Mankato. They were. They were terrible. Like eleven, I think it was eleven to one after one of the periods. Jeez. But and but like what are you Biddy said on, on Saturday night, Michigan off. Tech did not have a single shot for 12 minutes. Yeah, but Mankato had one in that entire stretch. I know he was, was... He, I was like, but they finished the period 7-7. What are you talking about, right. Biddy? But I didn't yeah. watch the first that close. No, he's, he's absolutely it. correct. That whole first like eight minutes of that period were like, there were two shots total. <laughs> that entire had, that entire weekend was had, just coaches hockey. Like a, that's that's the weekend of hockey that a coach loves to watch. Yeah. There was there were so little shots from both teams. I mean, yeah, we didn't get any, but Mankato had two. I mean, and Mankato I think had twenty blocks uh, the one night. Yeah. So you've got two teams that know how to get in the lanes and get in the way for the, the most part, and they're playing solid defensive hockey. That's what Tech's built on. That's Mankato is pretty solid in the same way. So it's, it's how those games are going to end up. Yeah, I do think and we played. We played, you know, right with them all. And all I think if, awesome. if we could, especially if in, and maybe this can segue into fake July if we're done. But if we can dust aside Michigan and Michigan State, then we're right back in it. We're in we're it. Right, I mean, we're already right in it, but like we're like solidly in it. Like we're not like. We're not we're not in it in the sense that only the nerds know we're in it. We're in it as in we're putting the nation on notice in it. Yeah, the, yeah but that but whole... that's really like if Michigan Tech sweeps St. Thomas and wins the fake GLI, they'll be top twenty at twelve and seven. Like they will, right? Because 
because the because the voters aren't going to care that Michigan's missing missing seven players to World Juniors. Like they might realize it, but very quickly they'll not care because it's still a win. And you're and you're right back in it. You've got a what? What would they be then? You'd be three, four, five, 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 and two in non-conference play on the year. Um, seven and five in the in the CCHA in regular records, not including our OC stuff. And you'd be potentially tied for second in the CCHA right where you want to be. Like it really is a three team race with Minnesota state having a little bit of a head start in my eyes. I think that, yeah. yeah. What the problem, the problem is this weekend's games aren't going to count for pairwise. But that, well, they don't, they don't, they don't count, but you're, you're, do they not count at all? Or do they not like they don't count towards your opponents and opponents, but your your record no, still counts, right? Your record counts, but the, if if winning the game lowers your, your RPI, RPI yeah. yeah, what? But that's games, but the that, games don't even enter the equation. Or RPI? No, no, for RPI, right? Yeah, I guess so because the opponents and the opponents' opponents. But that's but but if you go look at the pairwise, Dustin, on like. CC have it pulled up right now. Yeah. So is there a, like every team in the top nine has an asterisk except for Minnesota Duluth? I don't know how they don't. Well, I don't know why there aren't any asterisks on the page that I'm looking at. That's kind of annoying. Is it are you looking at CHN or yeah, CHN on, on the website? Yeah. Look at look at main chart, not pairwise grid. Yeah. Ah, main chart. Okay. I always look at yeah, so the, the pairwise. The pairwise grid is the actual comparisons. The yeah. main chart shows the RPI. Yeah. So the R- so basically had games removed. Two thirds of the teams in the top twenty-one have an asterisk. That's just the way it is. Um, yes. Yes. But a lot of those teams are going to lose their asterisk as the season goes on, and there's more comparisons that get played. Yeah. And and teams get wins. Right. St. Thomas isn't going to be one of those teams that gets wins. And no, so that's our true. Asterisk, asterisk goes away. I mean, Tech had an asterisk before this weekend for Ferris, and I have, I've imagined Ferris winning a game this last weekend got them high enough that we don't have an asterisk anymore, so those games count. Yeah. Uh, but like, but that's that's more a matter of we cannot lose this weekend. Yeah, no, that's the important. Absolutely, yeah, we can't. losing the the rest doesn't matter. I mean, here's the thing: you, we can't lose this weekend. You're absolutely correct, but we also shouldn't be worried about losing. If this team is who we think they are, this should be open and shut both nights. So I yes, we can't lose it. I also have been a tech hockey fan for way too long to have watched us play Alabama Huntsville in three overtimes. Well, and, I also well you yes, you, you act like for for my age, I haven't been a tech oh, fan for a considerable no, I, time. I've seen I'm it just, as well. I'm just but... more I'm more pessimistic. That's all. I, I go into every game expecting the worst, and that way I'm happy well, with what happens. Yeah, you and Bethlehem. All yeah. I do is all I do is love teams that don't love me back. And I always put everything into them. I go into it with a more positive attitude. It's like, man, when they finally win, it's going to feel great. And that's why, like, as I'm sure you did, I was just, like, sobbing, like, when we beat Bowling Green for the WCHA championship that one year. And then, I, and then I was like, and then I turned red in the face, pissed off when you got to raise the trophy while I was watching from home. 
Tim, I and I will never re- let you like yeah. But the I thing will never is, forgive you, you have, for that. You have to look at it this way: is that the only way that I hold it is if you are who you are. Yeah. Like I think the fan atmosphere attack is is just second to none, and you played a huge part in creating that, and I'm an accessory of that. I happen to be the one that got to be there and do it, but had it not been for you, I don't get to do that. Is the way I see it. Well, thanks, Matt. No. Anything else from the Joe show? No. I guess the other thing that we should mention is he mentioned that we have a committed goalie for next year, and I will tell all of you listening that I have no fucking clue who it is. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find him yet, Dustin? I have a guess. Uh, I got two. I'm just looking. I'm using logic to say that it is most likely going to be an NAHL uncommitted goalie. Oh, you're trying to figure out who it is, but not actually like know who it is. I don't know, Dustin. Everybody's coming from Alberta right now. Yeah, it's been a lot more uh, AJ whatever. Mm-hmm. AJHL? Yeah. yeah. Alberta Junior Hockey. Our last, well, I suppose we could talk about the other recruit we recently got while we're waiting for Dustin to figure out who he thinks our goalie is. Ooh, this guy's from Davis, California. I feel like it might not be a good fit for the UP. <laughs> hey, you never know. Sometimes those people are looking for a fresh. I don't know. Piece Did... of scenery. They haven't seen snow before. I don't know. Like there, there it is. Right. So we got focus. Yeah. Whatever. So our our newest recruit is Tyler Miller, not the goaltender for Minnesota United, uh, a defenseman from Alberta Junior hockey league he is one day older than writer matter 511 or six feet 165 basically basically him and writer matter are like identical profile they're both 17 right now probably coming in in two years is my guess both from alberta not just playing in alberta and then Cash Rasmussen, the, the next most recent recruit. So you got it narrowed down, Dustin. I'm gonna look quick at the stats here in Alberta League. I'm, I, I'm, I'm guessing if he's coming in next year, he's not a 17 year old now. So I'm looking at older goalies in the NHL that are uncommitted. Mm-hmm. There's a Tommy Aiken who is a 19 year old oh, goalie. Oh, I found Sierra. it! I found it! I found it! It's Jack McNaughton from the Okotoks Oilers. Oh, Okotoks. How awesome would that be Actually, if our goaltender was McNaughton? Well, I also... Uh, that would be pretty sick. I also find that... I, I just Big Jim's great-great-great-great-great-grandkid. Yeah, probably. I, I, I found a Dominic Washick. <laughs> like, Hashik. <laughs> the, kids, the kids only played six games. He's four and one, one, one and a half goals against average. Uh, two shutouts, eight goals against in six games. He's six foot one, 20 years old, and his last name is McNaughton. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> what about this kid? I had a buddy who played for, or his cousin played for Okotoks Oilers. So he's going to be pumped to hear that. There's Ethan Barwick on the Brooks Bandits. 
I guess it could be a US, USHL kid, but they, you, you haven't been getting a lot of USHL goalies. No, but goalie's also one of those things where you could get one if it's a late bloomer and yeah, and, that's true. and everybody's already got their goalie. Uh, but yeah, I think that's enough talk about that. So Dustin, let's do fantasy college hockey and call it a night before I have two hours to edit. All right. So last week, guys, we're doing really, really good at sticking the ghost with zero points because his ghost got zero again. Unfortunately for Tim, Tim also got zero. Yeah. Um, Michigan scored six goals on the weekend, and my guy got on nothing. Yeah. That <laughs> kind of sucked because that's what you get for picking the Michigan guy. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I had four points on the week with Livingstone from Mankato. Rob got three. Matt got three. Um, standings didn't change. Matt is now one point behind the ghost, so he is making up ground oh, quickly. Oh, we're closing it up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta pick today carefully, then. Uh-huh. This could be the week that you finally get over that hump. You're Matt's picking We gotta do something so, special so. if I do that. We gotta do something special if I do we that. Let's figure out what you mean. Final Jeopardy. <laughs> well, that's not special <laughs> enough, Rob. You know me. We should do something special. I'll figure it out by then. All right, so this week, um, the theme is power play stars. I have chosen the five players in the country that have scored the most power play goals. First, Maddie Beniers from Michigan. I don't know if I pronounced that right. B-E-N. Beniers. Beniers. That's correct. Okay. Beniers has seven power play goals this season and a total of 11 goals and 10 assists in 19 games. Michigan is ranked third in the country and is playing two games at 17th ranked Ohio State this weekend. Second is Matthew Copperud from Arizona State. Copperud also has seven power play goals this season. He has 10 goals and 12 assists in 15 games. This weekend, Arizona State is hosting 18th-ranked Clarkson for two games. Third, Ethan Frank, Western Michigan. Frank has six power play goals this season. Overall, he has 15 goals and seven assists in 16 games. This weekend, Western Michigan has jumped in the rankings again, all the way up to fourth in the country now. They will be hosting the 14th-ranked Nebraska Omaha for two games. Fourth, from the same Western Michigan Nebraska Omaha series from Omaha, Taylor Ward. Ward leads the nation in power play goals with nine. He has a total of 12 goals and eight assists on the season in 15 games played. And last, fifth, with six power play goals is AJ Vanderbeck from Northern. Vanderbeck has a total of 14 goals and eight assists on the season. Northern is now ranked 19th in the country, as we've already discussed, uh, after their impressive sweep of number one UMD. And they are playing two games at Lake State this weekend. All right, so the five are Maddie Veneers from Michigan, Matthew Copperud from Arizona State, Ethan Frank from Western Michigan, Taylor Ward from Nebraska Omaha, 
and AJ Vanderbeck from Northern. The order. Just quick question. We are not only looking for power play goals. We're looking for regular, normal every, stats. Okay. Yep. It's every, every all stats. just the category. He picks. Yeah. 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 I just want to make sure. Pick guys. Make yep. sure. Uh, so the order this week, Tim, Rob, Dustin, and Matt. Uh, I'm going to go with Ethan Frank. All right. Seems the obvious answer, honestly. <laughs> He's been ridiculous this season. Yeah, so and far. Arizona State good. is is a Playing. is a very flawed yeah. team that will score but will allow. So yeah, that's that's very true. And I don't want to give away too much strategy before I get to me. I'm at the <laughs> bottom. So who's Michigan playing this week? That's the only one I didn't think. Michigan is playing at Ohio State. At Ohio State, huh? Yep. I'm going to go with Vanderbeck, the Cats guy. All right. Much as that hurts me. (laughs) Uh, uh, I think I'm going to go with Taylor Ward from Omaha. Oh, man. Thinking at the bottom, I get my choice. At the bottom to me usually is just an exercise in waiting to see which of the last two I get. But you're actually going to get your choice. No, he has to pick between. I hate both of these options. <laughs> Mission accomplished. They're, by they're the both. Nice job. They're nice both... job, guys. Yeah, way to everybody, go, everybody, everybody clap. Get... Everybody clap. Uh, you know, I'll clap for you too. Way to go. You made it. You made it tough on. Pat me. myself on the back but, for. Um, you got to ask yourself, Matt, which one of them is better in hard ice. <laughs> well, see, here's the here's the question. Here's the bigger question for me: is who's the better Matt? I got two of them to pick from. <laughs> two fellow Matts to yeah, pick from. So, true. can you pick a Wolverine? You just told me that's what I get for picking. Ah, one last I, know, I know, and it's tough <laughs> because here's the thing: Arizona State, like Dustin said, very flawed program. Well, they will pot a bunch of goals, oh. but also allow a whole bunch. But Michigan playing Ohio State, if I have an option to pick someone in that matchup, it's going to be for Michigan. Because of the programs that have been around forever, Ohio State's probably, like, the biggest, like, what the hell are you doing program out of, like... Forever? They've been around since, like, what, sometime in the 80s? I mean, they've been around for a decent amount of time in the in the grand scape Ooh. of Division One college of Ohio State. Oh, they haven't been around forever. I mean, in the scheme of college hockey, they've been around for a good amount of time. Like, when you're Michigan Tech and have 100 years of history, I understand what you're saying. But, like, in the, yeah. in the scheme of college hockey, we've they've got been around standards. for – We've got standards around here. Yes, we've got – well, we've got standards here at Tech Hockey Guide. I understand. But 1963, like, Dustin. Yeah, we already had a championship 1963, by then. 1963. <laughs> see, that's, that's how forgettable Ohio State is. They've yeah. been around the block. Yeah. Their, like, their first time making the NCAA tournament was 1987 or 1997. Oh. 97. Wow. 97, 98. Yeah. I can't believe I'm going to pick Baneers, but I'm, that's what I'm left with. All right. I don't trust ASU in a situation. The only thing against... that would have been better, Rob, is if you had picked the Arizona State guy and left him to choose between a Northern Michigan guy and, Northern. and a Michigan guy. <laughs> I would have picked Vanderbeck with no problem. I would have picked Vanderbeck with no reservation. Hey Matt, I'll give you I'll give you an out. I mean, you can you can leave both of them on the table and pick any player you want from St. Thomas. 
<laughs> Absolutely the fuck not. <laughs> that was that was a fantastic hour. And that is our open to the, the podcast right there. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna get off that expletive tag right in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, watch it. Watch it. I would rather game. drag my nuts through a bot through a mile of broken glass than pick some on St. Thomas this weekend. And that's getting deleted from the podcast. <laughs> okay. not, not just from the the public version. That's just from everybody. Removed. Yes, the only people that are going to get to hear that are the people that pay ten bucks a month. <laughs> no, after watching so. Northern this weekend against UMD, I think Vanderbeck's actually a good choice. That guy's involved in everything. I, yeah, it's yeah. I, as much as I hate picking a guy didn't, from Northern, didn't I, I pick it all. Yeah, didn't I have him one week already yeah. or something else? Yeah, and he did pretty he did. well. Didn't you have him the week against Tech? I think you. Ah, oh, I think so. Yeah. Well, you gave me the option of two programs. I don't think I, I picked him. I think one of I was, was gone for that, right? I think somebody I think else so. picked him for me, yeah. and I was like, I think so. okay. I would have probably never yeah. picked him, but it worked out for me. You guys ended up doing a great job of giving me two programs that I deeply dislike, and I had to pick the one that I had the weaker opponent, and it's unfortunate it had to be Michigan. And make no mistake, I will still be cheering for Ohio State in that matchup. But... Weaker opponent? They're ranked higher than Clarkson is. Ohio Ohio State is. We'll yeah. see how long that stands after they play Ohio Michigan. Ohio State's ranked 17, and Clarkson's ranked 18. See how long that stands after they play Michigan. Well, that's not really relevant. We're we're picking now, Matt. Okay. We all know the poll voters are on something. Did you say rank? Now or, that or are you talking polls or are you talking pairwise, Dustin? Polls. That's the polls. Okay. All right. When I give the rankings in here, I, I go by the polls. Okay. One minute remaining in the podcast. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Uh, patrons that are black level or above should someday receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to our randomly scheduled Zoom chats featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, and more to come. Follow us on Twitter at Chasing MacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. Uh, let's see. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Can't find the podcast in your site of choice. Please let us know and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. Uh, please get out there and rate our our podcast five stars. If you give us a five-star rating and leave a review, Dustin will read the review live on the uh, podcast here for, for all our listeners to hear whatever the heck you want to say, as long as it's... Uh, not uh totally inappropriate it's appropriate enough appropriate appropriate enough enough. yeah once again thanks to our sponsor 50 dental in rhinelander wisconsin and as always special thanks to mitch lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint doc mcgresin for his generous donation to get this thing running we hope you enjoy and finally thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode if you like what you hear check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com
You've been listening to the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, presented by Tech Hockey Guide, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA.